This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with my great co-hosts, Graham Williams and Christina Stoyanova. We uh, have uh, some interesting stuff to chat about on uh, the App Show today. Did you know that Amazon has uh, a team of thousands of humans that actually listen in on uh, the recorded uh, Alexa commands? Well, we'll tell you all about that and how that all works. We'll also be uh, chatting uh, about uh, uh, how streaming music might have a worse carbon footprint than the old vinyl CDs and cassette tapes. Huh. I know. How does that all work? We're going to tell you how, but you have to stay tuned. And, of course, we have our Hot 5 app countdown. This week, it's the Hot 5 app uh, apps that you never really thought about but are super cool. But let's start off with some of the uh, the app news this week. Uh, a big app that I use all the time when I'm traveling uh, is Airbnb. I love it. I used it all the time when I was traveling in Europe in the past month. But uh, there are some uh, instances that have come up lately where the Airbnb owner has installed uh, hidden cameras. And uh, in this case, it was in Cork, Ireland. And a New Zealand family found uh, out that uh, video of them was being live streamed over the internet. That's really unfortunate. I mean, I, I can understand this, right? You open your home up to people and you want it to be relatively secure and safe. We've heard plenty of nightmare stories about people going to Airbnbs and trashing them. Uh, famously, I think uh, Christina has a warrant out for her arrest on this. Not true. Not true at all. But uh, <laughs> she's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> do you know something that I don't? Well, we there do. was a bottle of tequila. You don't remember much, but there's video that was streamed on. It. No. Um, so this is the thing is Airbnb. You're opening your home to people and you're expecting that people will behave well. And for the vast majority of people, they do. But what happens when you. That's no right to put a camera in there and not tell anyone about it. And, and I would agree with that. I think there are two separate things here. Do you have the right to put a camera in? Yes, but you have to be very clear that there are going to be areas of the place that are monitored. Um, I know, but would you get an Airbnb that has a camera in the living room? In the living room, yes. You would? I would. Yeah. Yeah. The moment that you want to watch me shower, I'm not Janet Lee. We're not doing Psycho 2 here. Uh, I think we're going to have a problem there. But I think the concern here is that there is a disclosure on Airbnb that there are cameras on the property, but it doesn't actually get into the specifics on where those cameras are. And Airbnb seems to be okay with that. I think that's the challenge. Well, I think that's part of the terms and conditions from what I understand. Uh, You can have cameras in uh, open areas and they define that uh, as, uh, you know, patios, decks, hallways. uh, And I guess in this case, living rooms and family rooms, uh, they're completely forbidden in private areas, bathrooms, uh, showers and stuff like that, and of course uh, the bedrooms as well. But uh, this New Zealand family, they found it. It was hidden in the smoke detector, and they actually found the the live stream because the dad was kind of an IT guy, so he figured out how to sniff that out. And it was being live streamed, like live, and didn't have any password on it. So anyone that was searching for you know these live stream cameras could uh, basically watch this family. Uh, so this this to me sounds like a, a family that wasn't necessarily technically savvy who probably put a camera in to watch their home when people aren't there. I think they must have been technically savvy. They hid it in the smoke detector. Well, but that's, that's a really easy thing to do, though, right? You buy one. You buy one of these Internet of Things cameras. You yep. plug them in. You follow the three instructions okay, that are written okay. in bad English. Yep. And you end up with a security camera now that is opened up to the world. This actually goes back to a couple of things. I mean, obviously, there's a privacy issue here, right? 
there's a huge privacy issue. And the bigger concern here is that there were kids in that house. And now you're, you've got live stream of these children, which is a huge concern. And I think a lot of parents would agree. I don't have children, but I would think that's a big concern. Your kids are being live streamed on the internet. So, so disclosure and privacy is an issue here. But I think the real root cause here is the fact that you've got this Internet of Things device that was not password protected, that was streaming video across the internet. These are the apps and the problems that the hardware that are going to cause problems for us going forwards. We've seen these cheap pieces of hardware out there that can be compromised by malware, right? And they can be taken over and the processing power can be used to do things like mine for Bitcoin, or it can give people access to your cameras when you don't want them. So for Airbnb, I think the takeaway here is that people need to be more educated as to where these cameras are pointing, what they're doing, why they're there. And for homeowners, if you're going to put a camera in, buy something reliable, buy something secure, right? There's some really great stuff out there. I think uh, D-Link's got a couple, Netgear, uh, there's Arlo, right? Pick cameras that actually are secure. I don't know, Graham. I think that Airbnb should step in and force their hand on this one. Yeah, no cameras. no cameras would be ideal. That's that's what I my expectation is when I'm going to an Airbnb. But if you're going to have cameras, you have to disclose exactly yeah, where they're don't bury, located. Don't bury it in the fine print. And also you have to purchase models that are ap- approved by Airbnb that they know are secure. I, I think we're in agreement on this, 100%. So, I know, but these it nowhere easily for that family was it defined that... Uh, on the Airbnb page that there were cameras looking at them. They've been wronged here. Yes. I I agree with you 100%. When what happened here was wrong. But at the core of it, I think people do have the right to protect their property. But if you're going to a place on vacation, I think you have a right to know whether or not not you're being surveilled. So I I think we're in agreement on this, right? Yes. Uh, But, you know, it's tough for consumers out there. You know, um, they hid that one in the smoke detector. It was probably a smoke detector that had a built-in camera. Yes. Uh, we have featured light bulbs on our TV show before, light bulbs that have cameras in them. You would never know in a million years that hmm. there's a camera in there. Yeah. And uh, there's so many ways to hide these things now. Yeah. So I think it's it's tough. Let's move on to another story here. Uh, and I know this is going to be sad for you, Graham. Uh, it looks like in the next uh, version of OS, uh, the iOS uh, for Apple, that they're, uh, they're breaking iTunes up iTunes is the software that manages all the music and shows and, and everything. And some people like it. Some people have a hard time with it. This is not a sad day for me. This is great. iTunes has become way too big. We've heard the term too big to fail. iTunes is not too big to fail. It's failing right now. If you use iTunes on uh, on a Mac, you'll know that it does do a lot of things, right? It manages your app purchases, manages your podcast purchases, it manages your music, and it doesn't do any of these things particularly any more well than it did a few years ago. Many, many years ago. Right, and, 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 and having to handle all of these things, we've ended up with apps that really just, they don't master any of them. So on the iPhone, you've got a podcasts app, right? Yes. You've got a music purchasing app in the music store, and then you have music, which is the app for playing music back. So being able to break up all of those things and have your TV shows and your video in one place, have your podcasts in another, have your music in one place, and having those apps, one, that are specialized to do these things, and two, can be updated separately, I think is a really good thing for a lot of users. Yeah. I, you know what? I don't use iTunes that much anymore to be honest. So here's, here's the thing. I've actually taken on ripping a friend's CD collection. Why? Because they, they had this massive binder of CDs and yes. wanted to, rather than, they could probably find all of this on Spotify, follow, find all of it on Apple Music, but they wanted to actually have a copy of their own CDs. 
bit of a sunk cost fallacy. I did that like 10 years ago. So I ended up getting a USB-C adapter for my old super drive. Yes. And a, an external hard drive. And I've been sitting there feeding disks into iTunes for the past two weeks to build this library. How many, how many disks are there? Uh, I think we're somewhere upwards of three or 400 at this point. Yeah, I had hundreds that I actually ripped back in the day, but I was lucky being a tech guy. I had, I think, about five or six computers in in my house, and it was just like a sweatshop. I had my <laughs> kids just like changing the CDs out as they were burning them. But it, I, I look back now and I laugh at all the wasted time and effort because I just subscribe to music services now. I don't even access that music anymore. And, and so this is really the thing, is starting to break these apps up into a place where they're all individually usable. I mean, the big question for a lot of people is, what about the special features in iTunes like metadata editing that you don't necessarily get on the iPhone? Are those features going to come to iPhone while being built into the OS X or the macOS app? Or are they going to be removed altogether? And I think. And Apple, does anyone care? If Apple removes these features, I think there will be a very vocal subset of people who are going to scream about it, and the rest of us will not give a damn. Yeah. I mean, music subscription is the way to go now. Like, that's I think just, so. that's the, just the way the world is. I've got YouTube music and Spotify and Apple music because why not, right? Well, we're going to be talking about. Um, streaming music versus uh, the old physical media in a coming up segment here on this show. Uh, but one of the stats I looked at, uh, you know, I think on a, a weekly uh, basis back in the day when we were buying CDs and stuff, I think it was like uh, about $4 a week was kind of the average that we we're paying when you factored in all the CDs or cassettes we we're buying. And now I think we're just over a dollar. So how much we're paying for music has gone down dramatically over the years because of music subscribing. And you get so much more. You get so much more. Uh, quickly, uh, another interesting story that came my way. Uh, Apple lost uh, nearly a uh, million dollars U.S. Uh, from uh, some students down in the U.S. that were basically scamming the system. Uh, two uh, students, I believe down in California, uh, sorry, Oregon State University, uh, were basically importing... Uh, counterfeit iPhones from uh, Hong Kong, uh, fake iPhones. Uh, so they look like iPhones, uh, but obviously weren't. And uh, taking them and uh, doing like a service request on them, saying they were completely dead and they wouldn't turn on. Yeah. And so Apple, uh, in many of these cases, I think almost 1,500 times, uh, yeah, 1,493 uh, fake iPhones were swapped out for new ones. This because one when they took them in, they couldn't turn them on. So they just assumed they were completely dead bricked and gave them a new one. They took those new ones, shipped them back uh, overseas and sold them. And so this comes from the, this is why we can't have nice things department. Um, you know, this is a company who is famous for their customer service, right? And they've done a good thing by their, their consumers and their clients to offer exchanges on things like this out of trust. And you've got people who, they actually tried to do this 3000 times. Yeah, so they got away with it half the time. They got away with it half the time and now they are going to be paying for that uh, probably more than the nine ninety nine that it cost for one of these individual individual iPhones. Yeah, they made off with over eight hundred thousand dollars, though. They did, they did, they they did okay, but they're going to go to jail now. Uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to find out how Amazon has hired thousands of people to listen to recorded Alexa commands. What does that mean for your privacy? Stay tuned to find out. You're back with the App Show, Mike Agarbo here in studio. A lot of us have uh, the Amazon uh, Echo devices in our home with the Alexa voice assistant. Uh, did you know that Amazon actually hires real people to listen to randomly selected recordings from Alexa to help instruct the machine learning algorithm? 
Well, to help us understand what that's all about and what's happening, we've got our great tech expert, Brian Jackson from IT World Canada on the line. Brian, thanks for joining us. Always happy to join you. Uh, this is interesting. Uh, I, I can imagine that uh, these Amazon uh, Echo devices uh, must get like millions of uh, voice requests every day. I didn't know they have humans listening in as well. Yeah, I imagine you're right. It must be in the millions, especially considering that more people are buying these things all the time. But uh, this is from Bloomberg, who broke this story. Um, and apparently Amazon does uh, employ real human beings to go and listen to some randomly selected uh, recordings. So this is not like a mechanical Turk situation where you think you're talking to a computer and then it's just a human being on the other end that responds back, though that would be pretty funny if if the whole time it was just a big ruse. (laughs) No, it's just like uh, some people listening to your recordings and then they make some notes about it, so they transcribe it and they annotate like whether the experience was good for the user or not. And of course, we shouldn't be too surprised by this. Like, it, it's not good because Amazon didn't tell us it was happening. But Amazon, we know, is trying to use our data to improve its voice recognition algorithms, right? And it wants Alexa to be better as a service. So uh, apparently, it's decided that to to accomplish that, it should hire some people to help. So we should be really clear for the listeners out there who are probably thinking right now, yes, I knew it. Amazon is listening to me all the time in my house. These these people that are listening are, are listening to recordings after the fact, correct? You're right. It's not live. Um, it's pre. It's randomly selected recordings from uh, maybe recently, but uh, you know, it's not exactly when you say the request. And it's definitely like a, Amazon says, it's a small fraction of requests. And again, these are recordings that are triggered after you say the wake word. So um, after you say Alexa, and then you give it the command, that's what is being transcribed and noted by these people. Although it's worth pointing out that we incorrectly trigger these things all the time. There's false alerts and uh, it gets turned on when it hears similar words, or sometimes just for no apparent reason. And uh, that that does happen with uh, these people are hearing those recordings as well. Do you think this is good that these things are listening to us all the time? Well, it could be good. uh, And I'll explain why, Uh, (laughs) because I know a lot of my friends, you know, I talk to them. I, I I tell them about how I use my smart speakers to control everything in my house. And they say, well, I'm, I would never do that because I don't want anyone spying on me. Right. But uh, you know, just this morning I was at the CIO peer forum here in Toronto and Poppy Crum was speaking. Now, she's the chief scientist at Dolby Laboratories, and she has this really fascinating idea that if we could collect all of the data, uh, say, through our, just for example, through our smart speakers and analyze our speech, that could actually be useful for detecting some medical conditions. So a great example is Alzheimer's disease. If you can analyze somebody's speech patterns and how they're speaking, not what they're saying, but how they're saying it, the pauses between words, the fluidity of their thoughts, that sort of thing. It's actually a really great way to detect Alzheimer's very early on. And the earlier you detect Alzheimer's, the better you can treat it, the better you can prepare for that sort of uh, situation later in life. So 
you know, you can imagine this. If we all have Alexa in our home where other smart assistants that we're talking to, and we could somehow turn on this capability to deliver us a service where it's going to warn us when our health is taking a turn for the worse, that would be incredibly valuable. And I think it would be a great way to, uh, you know, help people um, in ways that they weren't expecting. I would be setting this thing off all the time because uh, I'm drunk. Yeah, well, that's a whole other situation. Maybe maybe it'll tell you when you're drinking too much, Mike. It'll say, you know, you should really reduce your alcohol consumption to the recommended drink per day. Uh, you know, it's it is really an interesting uh, thing you're talking about, though. I I I could see that being very very useful. Uh, but I wonder, you know, from a privacy perspective, I mean, obviously this thing would have to be listening all the time. Then at that point, uh, you know, how many people would want to take advantage of that? Well, this is what the problem is, right? Is when you hear about stories like this, you know, this is basically Amazon confirming people's sort of worst fears about Alexa. Like the fact that people are, yes, actually sometimes people are actually listening to what you say to your Alexa and people get really creeped out by that. So what these companies have to do and what Amazon definitely has to do uh, in this situation is make sure that it's, being transparent and upfront about how it is training its voice algorithms, uh, what its intent is when it's collecting your audio, and then um, also setting up a blinded situation. So even if it has reviewers uh, listening to your your audio, they can't tell who uh, it is coming from. So they have to make sure there's no way you could be identified by your audio being listened to some person in uh, Bucharest, for example. We're talking with our good friend Brian Jackson over at IT World Canada, all about uh, the Amazon Echo devices with the Alexa voice assistant and how Amazon is uh, letting humans that they've hired uh, listen to some of the recordings to improve uh, the overall uh, experience. Brian, as always, I really appreciate your insight. Okay, thanks for having me. When we come back from the break, it's the Hot 5 app countdown time. Stay tuned. You are back with the app show. Mike Graham and Christina here. Still lots to talk about uh, in this program, including uh, whether streaming music has a, a larger carbon footprint than buying CDs and vinyl and cassettes in the old day. We'll explore that conversation. Right now, it's time. The Weekly App Hot 5. This week, the Hot 5 is the Hot 5 apps you'd never, ever think about. Uh, starting number 5, we've got Skip Lagged. This is a travel app that I've actually covered in the past. So if you weren't here to hear that, then here it is again. Skip Lagged is a travel app that's just a little bit different in that it lets you book flights to hidden cities. Essentially, these are flights that can be booked more inexpensively than normal because they occur as layovers to other destinations. So you know how some people will get off of a flight at the layover and not continue to the final destination? Well, Uh. you can hop on and get in on that uh, last leg of the flight for a much lower rate. But it makes it all easy. Yes. it. You don't have to think about any of it. It just does it all for but you. But the airlines really try to crack down on this. Yes, like, they do not like this. I've heard in a lot of cases, uh, they'll even ban you from flying on the airline if they figure out you're doing this. I've read that. They have. Have you? On the internet. Yes. So they, it must be true. They have actually banned people from uh, using them. They've also invalidated uh, points, like frequent flyer miles. Ooh. The fix is in. The fix is in. 
Okay, number four on the top five apps you've never thought about but are kind of cool anyway, Rando. Rando's a fun, crazy app that won't give you any special abilities or do anything great for you, but will provide you with a fun and interesting way to connect with people from around the world. Basically, you take a random picture of whatever you want and send it off. And in no time, you get a random pic back from a complete stranger from a random location around the world. I think it's kind of cool. I mean, it's weird. It, it's really weird. This is this is high risk and medium reward. I think. <laughs> like, I know, but it's interesting. You know, I, I, I the thing is, someone I, at the other side of the planet is sending you a picture. Content is going to be unsavory. I'm, let's be clear. I'm no, a, I'm a very trusting individual, so I, I'm going to have to give this a go. But I feel like <laughs> I'm going to come back in a week, and I will have been burned. Yeah, I don't want any pictures from you. <laughs> by the way, uh, number three on our hot five app countdown, we have Wolfram Alpha. Well, from Alpha, so this is a brilliant app for answering the actual difficult questions that you might have. Now, we've all probably asked Alexa or Siri or Google uh, different questions that... As you've set off all of these digital assistants <laughs> all over. Sorry, everyone. I'm not sorry at all. Um, so this is a computational engine, and you can ask Wolfram Alpha some really complex things, like what is the, what is the overall area of a space that measures X by Y? And it will be able to to compute this for you. So Wolfram Alpha has some really, really great answers to questions that you can ask in plain English. Now there's a free service and there's a premium service. Uh, the premium service I actually have ponied up for in the past as I've tried to do math that of, I cannot of do. Of course you have. Of course I have. But will it answer what is the meaning of life? <laughs> well, it comes back with 42, but I think it's just phoning it in at that point. But don't, don't. You don't even know what that means, do you, Christina? The answer 42, No. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I haven't read that. No. Really, really decent radio show? Radio play from the BBC? I think so. Yeah, and there's a movie with Alan Rickman. My point was that when you ask Siri that she gives you cheeky answers and you never really get the real answer. Well, that, that would be the case here with The Meaning of Life for Wolfram Alpha. Next uh, in our Hot 5 app uh, countdown, I think we're number two here. This is uh, for Christina, Run P. Run P, this is a hilarious app that will actually let you know when is a good time during a movie to take a pee break without missing anything of consequence. So if you can't hit the pause button if you're in the movie theater, this will actually tell you when you can run and do that. So you, you put in the movie and... How do you know exactly when then? Does, is it timing it or is it telling you at a certain scene? It's telling you where in the movie you can go. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of good to know because I've been in movies before. I remember years ago, back in uh, Lougheed Mall in Burnaby, British Columbia, lining up for Batman, the first Batman with Michael Keaton. 1989. Thank you, Graham. Wow. And I drank too much Coke. <laughs> Way too much. And Batman was my favoriteest thing in the world at that time. And... I think I almost blew my bladder out having to pee. <laughs> if I had an app like this, I would have known when to, to leave the theater is quickly. There, is there a good time? In no, that? so that's the thing. I was thinking about that. No, there was probably no good time to leave. I mean, that soundtrack, uh, Jack Nicholson, how about, how about, who do you trust? I still have the, uh, the original soundtrack, the CD yeah. collector's edition in the black can with the embossed... Um, Batman logo on it, nice. the remember, Prince, the Prince one, and it's still shrink wrapped. And in in the summer of that year, I think everyone was getting the Batman symbol carved into their hair. The late eighties and early nineties were a strange time. I even got a bat. I had a Honda Civic, and I got like the bat 
logo nice. and put it on the front of my car. I like it. On my windshield. I, I like was it. so cool. You guys have gone full nerd right now. <laughs> Would I do it again in a heartbeat? Uh, and the number one uh, app this week, uh, Graham, is Wiki. Wiki. So this is the uh, creepiest but also pretty cool app of the year. Wiki is a wake-up call app. Sounds good, right? Yeah. Uh, so you set a time that you want to receive a call. You go to bed and the app will then do its thing. The weird part is when you reach your wake up time, you're going to get a random phone call from a stranger somewhere in the world. And you're going to start your day with them. Could it be a, you know, a... <laughs> this has got Christina cringing. A Lithuanian school teacher? For sure. A New York City garbage man? There are people around the world waiting to talk to you to wake you up first thing in the morning. I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty crabby first thing in the morning. This is not going to So you got a random stranger phoning you. I'm just going to be like, look, I got to put coffee on. Can you call me back? I think is the really I thing. feel like there's a theme. We talked about uh, the, uh, dog, the dog barf alarm clock app last week. <laughs> Weird ways to wake up. Here with your friends at the app show. It's going to be a whole new hot five. I can see it. Wakey. 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 Okay. You know what? I know it's a hot five. Yep. I've got a bonus app. I didn't see that coming. No. Uh, it's probably because I accidentally did six apps in this hot five app countdown. So I'm going to call it a bonus app. This one is kind of interesting. And I, I think I could use this. It's called Tunity. Uh, I haven't tried it yet, uh, but it sounds amazing. Uh, this allows your phone to be a, a TV tuner for any TV. So you know how many times you've been at the bar and you're watching the game and you want to hear what they're saying, what the commentators are saying, but it's loud. You can't really hear what's going on. Your friends are like sloshing beer everywhere and yelling and screaming. Uh, this works by opening the Tunity app, you point it at the TV, it scans an image to locate the program you're watching and then streams the audio directly to your phone. That's brilliant. Did, did I just blow your mind? That is brilliant. You can be social and antisocial at the same time. I like that. This is available for Apple and Android. Tunity. Christina does not care whatsoever. I mean, this is a, a prime bonus app. Like, it doesn't get better than this. You see, I, I feel like you go to a lot of restaurants and bars that don't necessarily have televisions. Televisions? Yeah. That's right. I make it a point to frequent I, places I, that don't have televisions. I'm going to give a shout out to El Santo in New Westminster, where the owner specifically did not put a TV in. It's a good meal. You don't have to worry about missing out on your shows, because they're not playing. You're just trying to get a free meal again. <laughs> I know it. When we come back from the break, we're going to be talking about the carbon footprint of streaming music versus buying CD and vinyl. You're listening to The App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with The App Show. Mike Agarbo here in studio. want to talk music streaming now. So many people uh, are consuming music that way. We're not uh, really buying as many CDs and cassette tapes anymore. But what is the carbon footprint of music streaming compared to the old way, the physical media? I've got uh, our tech expert, John Beeler, in studio with me. Thanks for joining me, John. Great to be here. And this all comes from an article uh, up on the globalnews.ca site, uh, and the uh, author of the article, his name is Adam Wallace. I really encourage you to uh, check it out. Uh, but essentially, uh, he is referencing uh, a study called The Cost of Music, uh, a joint study penned by both the University of Glasgow and University of Oslo, uh, saying that listening to music online takes more of a toll on the environment than it does to actually create physical music. CDs, cassettes, uh, or even vinyl LPs. What do you think? It's a really interesting take on this whole notion that going digital 
saves the world <laughs> from these environmental uh, issues that yeah. you know creating all this plastic all these vinyl records all this packaging if you will um but then they actually looked at the what the total cost of running servers and charging our iphones and all those types of things and and it, which it, would be tremendous when it, you think about it absolutely but it's also one of those things that i, I kind of wonder like how did they figure out how much of my daily charge on my iPhone is relegated to my streaming usage. They're going to have to make some assumptions, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Uh, so there's some interesting numbers here I want to share. Uh, so uh, according to the study here, in the American recording industry alone, plastics have been cut down from 58 million kilos in 1977. That's 58 million kilograms down to only 8 million in 2016. But the energy required to sustain all the platforms of the digital age uh from a carbon footprint standpoint, is greater. Yeah. Um, so when we talk about streaming, uh, we're talking about like the Spotify's, the Apple Music, the YouTube's, how we're kind of getting our, our music now. I mean, when's the last time you bought a CD? You can't, I even, can't, even, you no. can't even remember. No, it's been a while. I, uh, I have been um, streaming music or downloading music legally and illegally, unfortunately. Uh, I can't, like for 15, 20 years. At least, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so... You know, some other numbers here. Uh, according to the Cost of Music uh, study, uh, greenhouse gases uh, were recorded at 140 million kilograms in 1977, 136 million in 1988, and a whopping 157 million in 2000. But 2016's estimate are coming in between 200 to 350 million kilograms in the U.S. alone. Right. Because of this. Yeah. The, the interesting aspect uh, as well in the article, they also touch on the the actual cost of media. So when you bought a record in the in the seventies, yes, in converted inflated you know uh, currency, yeah, it was almost like twenty eight dollars, yes, compared to for what, a single album for one album, yep. Which now you pay roughly between ten or eleven if you download the whole album on iTunes. Yeah, we've saved a lot of money along the way. Yeah, and then not even factoring that you know the fact that you can basically all you can listen to on a streaming service for you know five to ten dollars a month. So again, some interesting numbers here. Uh, again, the cost of music. Uh, on average, uh, back in uh, the peak of vinyl sales in 1977, uh, people spent about 4.83% of their weekly salary on music. I used to love going on payday down to the A&B Sound yeah. or, or one of those places and you'd get like the latest album. Uh, or Sam the Record Man. Sam or, the Record Man, yeah. Uh, so, okay, so 4.83% per, uh, of your weekly salary back in 77 going down to buy records. Now, compared... Uh, to that in 2016, 1.22% for streaming music and downloading music. Right. It's almost, we're talking Starbucks money here. Yeah, but you know, it, it's interesting when you think of the musicians as well, they have taken an enormous hit. Right. And that's one of the things that the study also talks about is the fact that the, the, the rise of touring musicians and all about the merchandising is that's, because- That's, that's the only way to make money. That's right. Because they're just not getting paid because of the cost of streaming to consumers is so low and what they actually get is pennies on a song. It's kind of sad though too, John, because now, you know, if you want to go to a concert, you know, uh, Miley Cyrus or Taylor Swift, it's hundreds of dollars. Yeah. Do you remember back in our day? I mean, we're totally dating ourselves. You know, when I wanted to go see uh, Brian Adams or uh, Men Without Hats or, you know, any of those great bands in the 80s, it was like $15. If that, yeah. If that. Yeah. yeah. But now, like any concert of... 
you know, anyone vaguely popular is up there. And but that's, that's the only way they make money. And that's just to get one of you in <laughs> to the venue, <laughs> <Yeah>. too. <laughs> then you have to parking, and some people, you know, they'll drive, you know, across town, and they'll stay at a hotel downtown, and they'll make an event out of it, certainly. But it's definitely a lot more expensive. We're talking about uh, a great article on globalnews.ca uh, penned by Adam Wallace. He's referencing a study uh, that was done between the University of Glasgow and University of Oslo called The Cost of Music, basically making a claim that uh, how we're consuming music now, streaming music, uh, has a, worth, uh, a worse impact on the environment than when we were buying uh, plastic cassettes and, and CDs. I, I wouldn't have thought that. No, it, it's totally counterintuitive to what you would think. When we come back from the break, there's still lots more to talk about here on the uh, app show. If you're listening to the app show here on the Chorus Radio Network, back after this. You are back with the app show. we got a bit of time left for a few more apps. Before we get to our travel app of the week, Graham, it looks like you have a game app. I do. Uh, you know, I like puzzle games. They're a lot of fun. Yes. And I like independent games, games that are made by small studios. So I've got a really cool one called Ticket to Earth. And so this is available for $3.99 on the App Store. And it is a puzzle game wherein you battle on a battlefield. Uh, you select your team, you position them around, and you're trying to match up tiles to basically attack the enemy and, uh, and, and win the battle to forward the story. Uh, it's actually a really fun little game. It's got some really... And can you play this on a phone or is it more tablet -y? You can play this on a phone. Okay. Um, they have AR missions, so you can basically put the battle into the world around you. Um, and it's got a really great story as well. So if you like your tile matching games, um, you know, uh, like the match three style games, this would actually be a really fun opportunity for you. And again, at $3.99, there are no extra in-app purchases. So for four bucks, you can buy this thing and play it for as long as you like. I like that. Yeah, good stuff, right? What's it called again? It's called Ticket to Earth. Ticket to Earth. Okay, it's travel app of the time. What do we have, Christina? This week we have an app called Globe Tips. I don't know if you're if you've experienced this, but every time I go away, I agonize over what are the tipping the tipping norms in the country that I'm going oh to. Oh my god, I was just in Europe and I I I was always asking, and you never want to ask the server because they're like, oh, forty percent. Or they think you're a jerk because yeah. why haven't you done your research and you know, taking an interest in our norms here. Okay. So this actually gives you a tip guide for 240 countries and regions. And it also has automatic country detection. So it will know where you're located and give you the rundown of what you should be tipping your standard porter at your hotel or your server or your taxi cab driver. And it will actually- Like everyone. Exactly. Yeah. And it has a splitting function. So if you're traveling with a bunch of people, you you can split that all up. It's a great little app available for iOS. What's it called again? Globe Tips. Globe Tips. Yes. Oh my God. I'm going to totally download that because I've done a lot of traveling lately and I'm tipping wrongly everywhere. Yes. And you don't want to over tip. No, because you course. want to save all your money. <laughs> but oh, I you, don't have to tip here? Fantastic. But you definitely don't want to be that jerk who, you know, screws people who are working hard out of what what they normally would get. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, uh, it's troubling. Uh, so Globe Tips. Yes, that's right. Cool. Check and the game, app, the game app of the week? Ticket to Earth. Ticket to Earth. Looks like that's all the time we have left. Graham, where can they find out more about our podcasts? Our podcasts are available on the Apple iTunes Store as it is what it is right now, on Spotify and on Google Play Music, as well as any other place that plays really great podcasts. 
You can also find our sister show, Get Connected, and we would recommend that you subscribe to us both and give us a review. I want to thank uh, the two friends here that helped put this together, Graham and Christina. They're our uh, producers for the App Show and obviously great hosts as well. This is Mike Graham and Christina signing off. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.